you have your Bibles, grab them, Philippians chapter 4. We are on the home stretch of finishing through the book of Philippians, the last chapter, chapter 4. We have verses 4 through 7 this morning. You know, one of the things that's so interesting about kids is how it always can kind of surprise you of what scares them. Um, just the other day, uh, we were playing a, a video game on our Nintendo Switch. Me and all the kids were in there playing, and, and all, this is a kid's video game. And, and uh, on the video game was this older lady who had this, you know, this cartoon, kind of had this big purple thing kind of around her shoulders. I don't know if it was supposed to be a scarf or what, but it was big, kind of weird looking. And uh, Scarlett, who is five, uh, she, said, she looked at it and she said, she's freaky. And that is all it took for Lewin, my three-year-old, to lose his mind in terror. He was putting his head in the ground, covering his eyes, screaming, crying, it's scary, it's scary, I want to look, it's you know, losing it, right? And we're like, buddy, it's not scary, it's not scary. It didn't matter. He was scared. And so I had to pick him up, pause the game, hold him close and say, it's okay, buddy, I got you. It's okay, I got you, I got you, it's okay. And it breaks your heart because you're looking and you, as the adult, can see clearly, right? You're like, this is not scary. He should be able to turn around, look, not be worried, not be afraid, not a big deal. But in his little mind, he had decided it was scary and it was debilitating. It was paralyzing. He couldn't move. He could not turn his gaze. And so I had to continue to hold him and to say, it's okay, got you, I've got you. Until eventually he trusted me enough to turn and look and realize that it indeed wasn't scary as his mind was telling him, as I'd held him tight and told him again and again that I've got you. All his fear and anxiety melted away. Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four, Paul writes from prison the words of our God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to focus in on this one command in this text this morning that says, do not be anxious about anything. This is this command given to us in this passage by God. And while some of us, as we read this, might have breezed past that, oh, don't be anxious, okay, no big deal. Anxiety for many of us in this room is a burden that we have carried maybe for years and years. And we don't know how to get over it. For some of us, it maybe comes and goes depending on life's circumstances. But anxiety, as you will know, is this feeling of great worry, of great stress, of nervousness, of unease, fear, or even panic. The feeling that any, at, at any moment, something bad is going to happen. That the other shoe is going to drop. It's a feeling of deep sadness, deep regret, worry, stress. For some, anxiety has been this crippling, uh, paralyzing thing in your life uh, that leads to panic attacks and, and all other sorts of things. We've all had anxiety on different levels. And so we all know to a different extent what that's like. And I think Proverbs 12, 25 kind of says it well when it says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. The anxiety is like carrying a backpack 
full of bricks. It weighs you down and it hampers every aspect of your life. It can be crippling. We can be controlled by it. And it can seem like nothing we do ever seems to make it go away and we can feel hopeless. This morning, what I want us to see is that God commands us not to be anxious because anxiety is not something that we must learn to live with. Instead, it is something we can put to death and have victory over. Now, there are lots of different things that cause anxiety in us, right? To name a few would be like relationships. Like whether romantic or just friends or family, relationships can cause great anxiety, right? To, to not know how someone really feels about you. To, to feel like if, if you fail them, they'll leave you. Or you, we overread into the things they say. We, we avoid confrontation because it stresses us out. We're never able to enjoy and rest and enjoy friendships because it can cause us anxiety. Rejection causes anxiety. Paul was experiencing rejection right now. His friends and family uh, had rejected him. His, the Jewish community had rejected him. Those leaders who are with him now, he's in jail, have re- rejected him or trying to take advantage of him. Some people look at him like he's a heretic, well, nothing to do with him. The fear of rejection is the cause of much anxiety in us, whether that's rejection because of your failures of your past, rejection because you're afraid you're not going to fit in, or because of a choice you've made, or because you know there's a choice you need to make, and you know when you make it, it's going to cause rejection from somebody, which leads to great anxiety over the decision. I asked this week a bunch of different people um, what was the greatest source of anxiety in their life, and I got a lot of different answers, but the number one answer from everyone that I asked was the greatest source of anxiety for them was their children, kids. Um, And I get that, because every time my wife calls me that I'm not expecting it, my first question is, who's bleeding? Who's hurt? I walk around our house and I'll, it seems like I always find scissors everywhere. Um, maybe it's because my wife is always doing some project. There's scissors everywhere. I'm always like, put those higher, put those away. Or I'm always walking around seeing every little thing that my two-year-old is going to grab and choke on. Get that off, get those Legos. <laughs> and so it's just peril everywhere. I can't imagine the anxiety of having a teenager. We've been telling our kids for a while now that after seven, they don't get to have any more birthdays. They don't believe us. They don't think we have the power to stop that. But Eden, we do. You're done. The anxiety of having a teenager, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. COVID-19 has caused great anxiety for a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people in our church caused great anxiety for them. Uh, for, for, for me, it's caused great anxiety, not just because of getting sick or passing it to someone in my family who, who might get sick, uh, but it's caused great anxiety from a leading perspective. Because here's the, here's the deal. It doesn't matter what decision I make. It is going to be an overreaction for some and an, or an underreaction for others. Every decision you make about COVID, someone's not happy. It doesn't matter if you're me or the governor or anyone else in between. Every decision they make is either an over and under reaction. And so it leads to anxiety. Man, should we really do this? Some people aren't going to like it. Some people will. Some people think it's not fast enough. Some people think it's too fast. But also there are people who are, who are truly, really scared. It has been a debilitating fear for them that they might get this disease. They might end up in the hospital or they might pass it to their parents or pass it to their grandparents. It would cause them to go to the hospital, might cause their death. And it's been a crippling anxiety for so many. And the list goes on and on and on of things that cause anxiety in us. Ultimately, anxiousness, 
most often comes from this feeling of a lack of control. It is my inability to control the situation that leads me to feeling anxious about it, out of control. I think that's really at the root of the problem. It's a real struggle, and we all experience it on different extremes. It can affect you, right, physically. It can cause high blood pressure. It can cause your hormones to get out of balance. It can cause digestive issues. It affects us mentally. It can be something that we just can't ever seem to stop thinking about, and it dominates our life. It can affect us spiritually. It can feel like a spiritual battle, a battle for our soul, a struggle to trust God and to to still find yourself anxious and feeling like you don't believe enough and you're not a good Christian. And so there are many reasons why God does not want us to be anxious, because it does us no good. In fact, it does us great harm when we live in anxiety. But just saying, hey, don't be anxious, isn't going to do the trick. Oh, okay, let me just stop. That's not going to help, right? That doesn't help anybody. We must have the right tools in our tool belt, the right weapons to fix and fight this problem of anxiety in our lives. So before we look at these solutions that we find in this text, first I want to address the false solutions, the false cures, if you will. I want to point out two particularly that I think when we try to use to fix our anxiety and they either don't work or simply mask the problem. The first is self-help. I was uh, in Barnes & Noble buying a book for the first time in years. I I mean, a bookstore. I forgot they existed. And so I walked in Barnes & Noble. I was getting a book, and it was amazing that everywhere you look, no matter what section, there are books everywhere promising to fix your life. Oh, new ways, new methods to to fix stress, new methods, new ways to fix anxiety, the the road back to you, uh, uh, your best life now, this and that, from a religious perspective, philosophical perspective, secular perspective, medical perspective, it doesn't matter. We got a book for you to fix your life. And they they might call you to to yoga. They might call you to a, a better diet or better sleep or to stop drinking caffeine. They might encourage you to meditate or positive reinforcement, and all of those things are good. All of those things are fine, but they never get to the heart of the problem. There are ways to cope with anxiety. There are ways to suppress it and live with it, but they never uproot and and destroy the actual problem. They only mask it and cover it up. But the second false solution I think is a little more dangerous because it's what actually most of us in this room try, and when it fails, it makes things worse. And that's hyper-spirituality. That sometimes when we're battling anxiety, we decide, you know what? I'm just gonna toughen up. I'm gonna believe and put all of my faith in Jesus. I'm gonna trust Jesus. I'm gonna uh, believe that, that he is enough and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna put all my hope in him and we're just gonna go white knuckle it and we're gonna be strong and we're gonna be believers and we're just gonna attack it because I'm gonna hype up on my spiritual whatever and go do it. And that may sound good, but what happens is when you fail, when when your faith wasn't enough to deliver you from your anxiety, when your belief wasn't enough, when you mustering all of your spiritual courage wasn't enough, and you fall, now you've spiraled into believing that your faith is too weak. Maybe you're not a Christian after all. Maybe maybe you didn't pray right. Maybe you didn't do something right. Whatever. You spiral into this, this ridiculous web of lies and deceit that you're not good enough. When the reality is you tried to overpower this enemy without any of the tools or weapons you actually needed to defeat it. 
You just over-spiritualize the situation in your head, went after it, kind of like a, a kid who has been blindfolded trying to hit a pinata. Usually someone else gets hit. One more thing before we dive into the text and the solutions. We live in a broken, fallen world, right? And our theology tells us that our, our, it's not just that our hearts are fallen, our bodies, our bodies are broken and fallen, right? And so um, it is possible that there are some times that our bodies are just so out of whack and broken that we truly do need medicine to balance us out. And that's an okay thing. The problem arises is when we get on anxiety medicine when we shouldn't be. Because the problem's not physical, it's actually something deep-rooted in our hearts and our lives that we need to fix. I'm not a doctor. Matt's a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I cannot tell you whether you should be on medicine or not. I can't tell you um, which category you fall into. I can tell you uh, that, ma- that medicine often masks the real problem. I can tell you that sometimes it's the only option or the only solution. You just need it because your body is broken. Just like when you get the flu, you need medicine. But I can also tell you that sometimes it's helpful to be on medicine in the short term to balance you out so that then you can deal with the problem. I'm not a doctor, so I wanted to say that. But God commands us not to be anxious. And I think in this text there are four truths that help us be able to listen and obey this command because we do not have to be mastered by anxiety. Instead, we can have victory over it. So let's dive in. The first thing I think we have to remember as we look at this text is that the guy writing it is in prison. He's been betrayed by his supposed friends uh, who have taken advantage of him. His his Jewish friends have turned their back on him. He's been stoned twice and left for dead. He's lived an incredibly poor life. One of his best friends almost just died in front of him from being sick. Now both of his dearest friends are about to leave him, and he's chained to a Roman guard all day long every single day. And so when this guy tells us that it's possible to live without anxiety, we should listen up. So, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So the first way we fight anxiety in our lives is by fighting for joy. You see, we have to realize that we're not just fighting to not be anxious. We're not just fighting against the negative emotion. We are fighting for a positive reality. We're not just fighting against something, we're fighting for something. You see, if you only try to remove something from your life, you will always fail. You must not only remove something, you have to replace it with something else. You cannot just put off anxiety, you have to put on joy, okay? Notice two things about this part of the verse. First, he says, the rejoicing is always, in every circumstance, in every situation, we have the ability to have joy, right? Joy is the noun of the verb rejoice, right? So we have the ability to have joy, to rejoice, no matter how bad the day has been, no matter what tragedies we face, no matter the fear, the worry, the stress of of upcoming situations of what we're getting ready to go into, it is possible for us to have joy. The reason it is possible to rejoice in the midst of fear and worry and sadness or whatever else is because rejoicing, having joy, is not the same as being happy. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is a fleeting emotion that we will sometimes have, a lot of time not have. God is not commanding us to be happy. He's not saying, oh, even when you face tragedy, be happy. Silliness. Not what he's saying. It's possible to have joy 
not happiness, joy in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of difficult days, in the midst of anxiety. The Greek philosophers, known as the Stoics in this day, thought that the lack of feeling was a virtue. They're kind of like Vulcans, right? You know what I'm talking about? You mean Trekkies in here? Kind of like Vulcans. The idea was to, to purge all emotion, to purge all feeling, that it was a virtue to be numb. It was a virtue to feel aloof. It was a virtue to not feel any human emotion. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying that the way to fight anxiety is to feel nothing. That's not what he's saying. Biblical joy is compatible with the whole spectrum of human emotions. The goal in fighting anxiety is not to feel nothing, not to be numb. The goal is to have an unwavering joy, that your joy is anchored to something, so that when the storms of anxiety come to try to blow you down, they won't. See, to fight anxiety does not mean you can't be sad. The Bible commands us that there are times to be sad. To, to fight anxiety doesn't mean that you're never going to be scared. To not have anxiety doesn't mean you're never going to be nervous or stressed. It means that despite those temporary emotions or feelings, we can still rejoice. We can still have joy because our joy is not contingent on present circumstances. Why is that? Because he says in the verse, our, we, we rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. Joy and sadness, joy and sadness are compatible. They can happen at the same time. You can be sad and still have deep joy because our joy is not based on circumstances, based on the Lord. Circumstances in your life are always changing, right? Like It's like the weather in Ohio. Just wait a minute. Your circumstances are going to change. And if happiness, happiness is based on circumstances, and your happiness is always changing, always fluctuating, but joy can't be. Our joy has to be built in the Lord, the Lord who never changes. The Lord who is always steady, who is never caught off guard, who is never surprised, who is a solid rock and a foundation. When our joy is anchored to him, our joy can be constant and not fluctuate with circumstance. The root problem of anxiety, the fear of the unknown, and the way we try to, uh, the root kind of, way we solve it, the wrong way that we try to solve it, is by trusting in things that are not the Lord, by trusting in solutions that are not the Lord. You see, because to rejoice or to have joy, what that means is that we treasure something. It is the thing that we think will fix us, the thing that we think will make us full or whole. And so we take something and we assess its value. We reflect on its beauty and importance until our heart rests in that thing. And so when our joy is bound up in what we perceive will be the solution to our anxiety, then our anxiety will only go away when we get that thing, whatever that is. When our joy is in the Lord, our hearts will rest and we will relax our grip. You see, we grip so tightly to these solutions, things we think will fix us. But when our heart rests in the Lord, we can relax our grip on those things that we falsely believe we need. You see, to rejoice in the Lord is to resist the instinct to focus on visible pleasures or problems and to concentrate our minds on treasuring Christ. 
See, we focus, when we focus on, on Jesus and his majesty and on his beauty and on his power, his sovereignty, his mercy, his kindness, as we savor the wonder of Jesus, our hearts will eventually be persuaded. He really is all we need to get through each day in every situation. The first step in defeating anxiety is we must fight not just against anxiety, but for joy. Fight for joy by treasuring Christ above all else. Treasuring him. This is practical in my life because when I start getting anxious, I feel it in my chest. When I get anxious and get worried, I, I feel a physical tightness in my chest. Me slowing my breathing doesn't help it go away. Me distracting myself doesn't make it go away. Yoga doesn't make, can y'all imagine me doing yoga? Doesn't make it go away. Nor is it pretty. But what does make it go away? is when I begin to identify the root cause of my anxiety and remember that even if the fear that has caused me to be anxious comes true, even if the thing I'm worried about comes true, that I have a Savior who is all I need, who will be with me, and knowing him alone is enough. He is my treasure. And that the worst fear I have will not wreck me. I have him. Second thing, Luke verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand. One of the casualties of our anxiety is often the other people whom it hurts. It often destroys relationships in our lives. We take our stress out on other people. We abuse them. We, we take them for granted, and so we lean hard on them. And then eventually they can't take it anymore. So Paul's word here about being reasonable, it's interesting. It can also be translated be uh, uh, gentleness. Instead of responding to people harshly or quickly or out of anger when we're anxious, which is only going to make things worse, right? It just makes it worse. Instead, Paul is saying respond to people, even those people who are the source of your anxiety, with a reasonable gentleness. See, if you've ever been in a conversation where one person begins to get a little louder, the natural response of the other person is to get a little louder. Then the other person gets a little louder. And then the other person gets a little bit louder. And then they get a little bit more passion. And then I get a little bit more passion. And they get a little more, until it's out of control. It doesn't help our stress or worry or anxiety. Instead, we must aim to respond and talk to people with calmness and reasonableness and gentleness. And here is what we need to do practically. Instead of spiraling down into our anxiety, we need to put one foot in front of the other and walk toward the thing that we're afraid of. We gotta walk toward it. Walk toward whatever is making you anxious and eventually confront it. And after we've walked through it and see that we're okay, we can look back and, and remember, hey, we were in one piece. We made it. And the way we can do that, as Paul says, because the Lord is near. We can respond reasonably to people in the midst of our anxiety because the Lord is near. There's two ways we can think about this. One, as a follower of Jesus, the, remember the Holy Spirit literally lives inside of you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The pa resurrection power lives in you. The Lord is near to you. God is not off worrying about other problems in the world. And it's not that he doesn't have time for you. God, has, you have his 100% full attention. He is near to you. But the other way we can take it is that the Lord is near to return and he's coming back. And so whatever the source of our anxiety is, we can rest assured that when Jesus returns, he's going to fix it, make it right, fix the problem, fix the pain, the hurt forever. It will be undone. And so we can keep walking forward with gentleness, trusting that the Lord is near. Third, look at verse seven. He says, 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Fighting anxiety begins and ends with prayer. Begins and ends with prayer. If you are going to uproot the core issues in your heart, if you are going to fight for joy, and if you're going to press forward when the Lord is near, you are going to be praying a lot. See, prayer is not this buttoned up, professional, uh, 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 you know, has to look pretty, looks rehearsed, looks perfect sort of thing. It's not, prayer is not just something we do at church or before a meal or before bed. Prayer is not something we just do when someone goes to the hospital. When you go back and read the Psalms, the whole book of Psalms, particularly King David's Psalms. King David, remember, he was a king of all of Israel, and God said he was a man after God's own heart. And do you know how King David prays? He lets the Lord have it. When King David prays, he says, God, where are you? He said, you're going to be here. I don't see you. He says, are you, uh, you, have you abandoned me? He'll, he'll, he'll pray, are you going to leave me defenseless? Are you going to forsake me? Are you going to forsake your people? Do you even care? God, do you even care about me? Can I even really trust you? Are you going to abandon me? Are you going to leave me? I, I thought you were the God of the heavens who had all power. Why don't you do anything? How David, the man after God's own heart, prays. You find David pouring out of his heart all of his fear, all of anxiety, all of his worry about the Lord to the Lord. You see, prayer is the beginning place of healing because it is the only place. Prayer is the only place that you can be truly honest about your deepest struggles and fears and know that God can handle it and know that God isn't gonna be offended. He's not going to get his feelings hurt. He's not going to go, oh, you don't trust me? Well, <laughs> forget you then. Rather, God's a big boy, and he wants to hear it, and he can handle it, and he won't turn his back on you for speaking it out. Praying through your anxiety, digging deep and sharing the Lord those deepest fears, naming those things is the first step of uprooting them and getting past our anxiety. The core problem with anxiety is this fear of the unknown. Fear that I don't know what's going to happen. Not knowing what's going to happen, what the future holds, how someone is going to respond. The panic, the stress, the fear comes from not knowing where things are going to go. What shoe is going to drop next? But do you know? Do you know who knows the situation better than you do? Do you know who sees the situation perfectly? Who not only understands how difficult this is for you, but knows how the situation is going to end? Do you not know that Jesus knows that? And so through prayer, as we pour out our hearts and our deepest stresses to a God who has walked in our shoes, Jesus knows what it is like to be praying, not knowing what the future is going to feel like as he is looking toward the cross. He knows what it is like to be afraid of what's coming as we pour our hearts out. And we uproot these insecurities and we anchor our lives to the one who holds the future in his hands. We anchor our lives to the one who literally writes our stories. And so when we face uncertain days, we can be afraid. We can be stressed. We can walk through it knowing no matter what happens, our future is secure. You see, we do not fret like orphans. 
We do not fret like orphans who are left to fend for themselves. We cry out, we scream, we, v- we vent, and we lament to our Father, knowing our Father knows us and knows our need, that he is working for our good. And even if we must walk through something difficult, he is with us and will see us through it. We have unrestricted access to the king of the universe. And not only does he care what is weighing you down, but he wants to see you through it, heal you, and make you a whole. But notice how Paul tells us to pray. He doesn't just say, hey, he doesn't just say, ask for the things that you need to get through it. Ask for the strength you need to fight things out. He doesn't just do that. He says when we pray and when we ask for things, we have to do so with gratitude, with thanksgiving. How can we, in the moments of anxiety and fear and worry, pray for help to get through our anxiety and to get through the situation while at the same time being grateful? How how do we do that? How do we be anxious and grateful at the same time? You see, this is the most helpful thing in my life. Again and again and again, this has been the most practical, helpful thing for me. When I am facing something hard, when, when something that is causing stress or anxiety in my life, when I'm controlled by that worry, when the future is uncertain, it's out of my control and there's this unknown, I look to the past. I look back over the course of my life and remember all those other situations that I was in where I was panicking, where I was freaking out, where I was stressed, where I was anxious. And I see how now, more clearly than ever, how the Lord was guiding, how the Lord was using, how the Lord was forming me, how the Lord delivered me through it. I can look back and see the Lord has been faithful, which in turn leads me to look forward. He's never failed me, and I have no reason to suspect he will now. He's always been faithful. He's always led me through it. And so now as I look forward to this other hard thing, I know that one day I'll look back at this too and say, oh, that's how the Lord got me through it. He's always been faithful, and I have every reason to believe he will continue to be faithful. He's never failed me. See, that is the shape our prayer should take. As we pray and we try to treasure Christ, we try to press forward, we pray and we look back and we rehearse and we're thankful and grateful for all the things that God has done so that we can press on toward the goal. We can press on past our anxiety because we know he's been faithful. You know, he's always gotten us through, and we know we have no reason to believe he won't now. And here is the result we can hope for in verse 7. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, it is possible to walk through this life with peace and without anxiety. It is peace that surpasses all understanding. I've I've felt this a couple times in my life, but one moment in particular, I've felt it so clearly, a peace that surpasses understanding. Trying to date my wife was probably the biggest obstacle and hardest thing I've ever had to walk through. And I'll give you one little snapshot of what that was like for me. Trying to win her over. We had been going on several dates, been going to ice cream, and been talking, and been texting, and talking on the phone, you know, talking on the phone till wee hours of the morning. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. You know, we were at that stage, right? I was into her. She's into me. We were good. And so one night, we've been, we've been hanging out for a long time, and it was clearly and obvious where this thing was headed. And, uh, and so we were walking around. We were at a Christian school, and we were walking around the middle of it, around this field, and, and, and I'm a ball of nerves, and 
and we're holding hands and we're walking and, and I'm, 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 I'm anxious and I'm worried because I'm getting ready to tell her, hey, I think we should make this thing Facebook official. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think it's time for us. I'm going to make my intentions clear and we're going to move forward to this thing, all right? Uh, and, so, and so we're walking around and it, Christian school, we got curfew, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, and so it's like nine o'clock and uh, uh, I, we're at her dorm and I'm getting ready to drop her off and I grab both of her hands and look deeply into her eyes and tell her all these sweet things that I will spare you. And I say, hey, you know, I think we should move forward. I think, you know, we should make this thing official and date and yada, yada, yada. She looks at me and she says, actually, I don't think we should talk anymore. I was like, are we joking? Like, what's going on? Like, where's the camera? And I walk back to my dorm like I've just been knocked in the head. Like, what is going on? And I'm, I'm anxious and I'm nervous and I'm stressed and I'm whatever and I'm, and I'm praying. And I remember so clearly walking up to the, to the door of my dorm room and then feeling complete peace. I had the thought, going to marry that girl. And the next day I just pretended like she never said it. Almost 10 years later, we're married. We've been married for 10 years. It didn't take that long. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it did take like four months to convince her. That's a, it's a, I mean, that's just the beginning of the story. It gets worse on both of our parts, but she eventually says yes. <laughs> Anything you want to add? <laughs> you see, no matter how big or small our anxieties are, no matter if they're on the world stage or if they're minuscule. We have a father who cares about the things that we're walking through. And when we seek him, when we fight for joy, when we draw near to him and keep walking, when we remember his faithfulness, we ask him for what we need. He will be there to give us the greatest gift of all, peace that surpasses understanding. Meaning that when everything else is going wrong, when we have every logical reason to have no peace, every logical reason to be freaking out and panicking and losing our mind, we can find a strange sort of peace, a strange sort of comfort. In the midst of crazy storms, it's like Jesus on the boat in the storm. Everyone else is freaking out, the dude's sleeping, right? Giant waves, and he's just sleeping in the back. Everybody's like, what's Jesus doing? We can have, that. We can have a peace that surpasses logic, surpasses understanding. I, I, I thought I understood this the best. When y'all know I love football, been watching a lot of Panther football. Been watching some Bengal football, okay? Watching some Bengals. And um, uh, if I can't ever watch the game live, I always record it and go back and watch it later. Avoid social media. Nobody talked to me, right? Um, Scott Meadows last year totally spoiled it. He's like, man, Panthers stunk it up today, huh? I was like, thanks, I haven't watched it yet. But, but I remember one time I hadn't watched the game yet. And I'm avoiding all those things. And I get a text from a buddy and he says, hey, man, great win today. I was like, oh, come on. So I go home to watch the game, not as excited. But an interesting thing happened. Every fumble, every interception, every missed field goal, every missed opportunity, every time we were down by two touchdowns or whatever, I didn't freak out. I wasn't worried. I was like, I don't know how they're going to pull this one out, but I know they do. And the same thing is true in our lives. 
same thing is true in our lives. We can have this odd comfort. We can have peace that surpasses understanding because our Father literally writes the story. Our Father has seen the end of the movie. Our Father is holding our hand right now, leading and guiding us through every storm. And there is nothing that gives us greater victory over anxiety than when, through prayer, we remember the nail-pierced hands of a Savior who is holding us close, reminding us with gentle assurance, it's okay, I've got you. I know it's scary. It's okay, I've got you. Father, there are many in this room who struggle with anxiety to different degrees. To many, it's debilitating. To many, it's paralyzing. To many, it's a burden. Lord, we pray you would lift that burden by helping us to have joy and rejoice and in treasuring Christ above all else, knowing that you're all that we need. By walking and facing our fears, knowing that you're near. Help us to get through anxiety, Father, by, by praying and remembering that you have always seen us through. You have always delivered us, and you've been faithful. And we have every reason to believe you'll continue to be. Give us a peace that surpasses understanding so that we can rest and enjoy this life you've given us and not be beat down with anxiety. Lord, give us that kind of peace that only you can give. Christ, now we pray all people said, amen.